Welcome baseball fans around the world to another episode of the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. It is, as we record tonight, only five weeks until the MLB season 2024 begins. And all of our teams involved in spring training, and all of us still have hope in our hearts at this stage. Now, last week we covered off the Pakota ratings, and I used to think that was a a state which had black hills in it, but no, it's a method of predicting how your baseball teams will get on and how many games they will win. So last week we discussed how the Mariners, the Red Sox and the Tigers would fare. Would they do better or worse than the Pakota projection? But we didn't get a chance to hear about the Chicago White Sox, the beloved MLB team of Dave Jr. So Dave Jr., for the Pakota ratings, they don't seem to hold out much hope from, from your boys from Chicago. Yeah, I must be on the wrong podcast. Sorry, Richard. I thought it was Pecora ratings. So I, I, I went with chicken and vegetable. And I'm, I'm afraid that's me out. Um, we now sorry. know what it stands for. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a foul joke. Um, uh, no, um, yeah, really, really interesting. So I think as chance would have it, I've been having a look at the Pecora ratings anyway. Um, and as Alan chided me for during the week, if I'd actually listened to last week's podcast, well, not only would the, the viewership have doubled, um, <laughs> but I would have known exactly what to talk about this week. Um, so that, if you don't mind, Richard, I think if I talk about Pakota, the, the White Sox comes down to effectively zero chance of anything for next year. Um, and to, to get the sort of thought process behind that really comes from what's been happening over the last six to nine months with the White Sox. Uh, in fact, to go back even further, if everyone wants to put their feet up, grab some Weathers Originals and put a little tart blanket over their lap, which, again, might just be Alan. Um, the, the White Sox were really in in a mode, uh, as they say in the States, to to win. Win mode um, towards the end of the, what would they be, the tweenies? Is that what they call them? Um, and it, it just didn't happen. I think as has been talked about quite widely in Chicago circles, I think the White Sox are the first real club who have went through a fabled rebuild and nothing has came of it. So a lot of other guys have been through it and reached um, kind of ALCS or you know, kind of National League Championships or the World Series itself or even won it all. Um, you know, looking at, I think there's four or five different teams and the White Sox went through this, started this process about 10 years ago. And it all, don't worry, I'm not going to go through the 10 years, but it, it, it effectively came to nothing um, over the last couple of years. This should have been a time when the White Sox were uh, building towards being in World Series or, or winning them. Uh, I, I seen a really interesting graphic the other day. I think we're all familiar with the MLB pipeline by now, which is, for those of you that aren't familiar, it's generally a look at everyone's youth setup. If you bring that back to Scottish football, and it's identifying who's got the strongest up-and-coming kids to come through. Um, and it's ridiculous. If you look at the state of affairs back in 2017, 
I think the White Sox is something like 12 of the top 100, maybe three of the top 10. And it really was, at that point, destined to be a team put together with top draft picks, top college prospects into a team that would would do well. And if you don't mind me indulging for a second, I think that even when we started this podcast, we had some experts on from the States who were all not mega keen on the White Sox, but we're talking about them as being real contenders over, if not that year, but the, the, the coming years. Like I said, it's, it's not came to anything. And last year's results signified that. Um, as it was really clear, last year developed, we started to let a lot of players go and get a whole lot of trades in the door, bringing in more prospects um, and letting these guys go that were in the last year. So our pitching, uh, either through the trade deadline last year or in the off-season, is completely decimated. You know, we've lost most of our starters. Um, we're left with really Dylan Cease, who is familiar to most. Uh, and again, the only reason that we're left with him just now is that he's got one year left in his contract and that the White Sox have been playing hardball in terms of what they want back for him. I still think there's a chance that he won't be there for opening day. Um, many teams have been in touch with the White Sox to see exactly the availability of him. But the White Sox want a good haul back. They want some prospects. They want, um, you know, they want some good players back to cover a lot of deficiencies that we have as a team. I've got the feeling that if a one of the top contenders that are in win mode, I've got a feeling if they suffer an injury over the next few weeks, I think they might pull the trigger and try to get someone in like Cease who would slot right into anyone's rotation, um, albeit potentially at the top. But even a lot of these teams might slip them in as a third or fourth or fifth starter. Um, if that tells you we don't really have much pitching just now, we've let some established names go as well. The wage bill... Um, I think similar to Dave's Red Sox, the wage bill has came right down. That might be in, in keeping with the fact the White Sox are reportedly on the move in the next couple of years, really looking to relocate within Chicago. So there could be something there from an ownership point of view where you're cutting that wage bill and trying to finance a stadium. A lot of that's hearsay just now. But the, the, the team is not in great shape in terms of star names going into next year. We still have some of the old faces, but what we've tried to do is bring in a lot of prospects, but also guys on one-year deals. And the idea there is to rectify the clubhouse. And the thought process has been in recent years that the clubhouse hasn't had any leaders. It's not had any direction. It was just a bunch of potential stars thrown into the mix and told, hey, you're going to be stars. But it, you know, nothing's really been there to gel them or to, or to put them forward. Even to take that to its to the nth degree, you know, you'd supposed superstars last year who were given a rookie manager. So when you start to look at those things, look at what Texas did last year by bringing in a proven manager. Um, they went places. So it's it's not being advertised as a rebuild for this year. It's been re-advertised as a, as a retool. But really, there's nothing expected for the White Sox. It's, it's been a long way to answer your question, Richard. But there's no real prospects. The White Sox are meant to finish fifth in the division this year. Uh, there's no chance of the playoffs. Again, the one shining light that always comes through in the in the AL Central is the fact that it's a really weak division. You've no one in there that's going to run away with 100 wins. You've no one in there that's probably going to hit 85 or 90 wins. It's competitive. So even if the White Sox are down on big names, 
there's the hope that they can still pull something together. And it's really about not 2024, but building towards 2025. So it's not looking at 2027. It's There is a belief that there's still some talent in the club and in that weak division to, to move towards competing in 2025. So it's a bit of a long answer, but hopefully it explains uh, the reasons to, to why those White Sox numbers are so low. No, it does, and, and thanks for that, Dave. And you mentioned the other, it's maybe not the strongest all-round division in, in NLB there, but the, I think the Pocota ratings reckon the Twins will finish a handful of games ahead of the, of the Guardians in that division. I know Alan, as a Tigers fan, will have his own view, but does that feel right to you, Dave? I don't know if you had much chance to see what the other teams in your division are doing, but Twins ahead of Guardians? Probably. I mean, the Twins have got they've got some good players. Good players, but no... Nothing great. Um, I do quite like Cleveland, if I'm being honest. They, they've they always got such a terrific pitching um, squad. And they've, for years and years and years, they've developed some some top-range pitching. Even like last year, they had horrific injuries. But the guys they brought up from the minors were, were really, really, um, really strong and, and stepped right in. Yeah, so uh, it's been... Um, yeah, sorry, a little... For anyone listening, either Alan will cut this bit out. We're having a fit of the giggles. Um, just a, a little offline joke but no, the, the Guardians and the Twins are probably up there the Tigers, no one really knows what they can do yet, I don't think the Tigers know what they can do um, but there's probably a lot of potential there, if that's fair Alan and the Royals are not making many moves, they're there and thereabouts but I don't think they're openly challenging so it, the, yeah, that those those numbers feel right where the, the Tigers might come in, I'm not sure Alan if you if you disagree We'll just cross there. We'll just cross from Dave Junior to Alan. Then, uh, Alan, does that sound about right to you? And what's your Tigers perspective? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I was going to say when um, Dave was talking about the the lack of starters is P- Pecora is one of my favourite starters. So <laughs> I don't really I see mean, the problem. Here, yeah, we get we get my rotation every day of the week. I think. Alan. <laughs> really? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I thought it was fascinating, actually. Dave, Dave made a really good point about a, a few years ago how people were talking up the White Sox so heavily. Uh, and I think they went, they'd went been in the playoffs once or twice um, in that time. And I think we all had a little bit of hope that one of our teams is going to do it. And then it's um, it, it just sort of, it's, it just seemed to fall apart or didn't achieve it. And it, it is interesting that, it, as well, the of novices to the game that you've got this this five ten year building cycle and you're convinced your team are going to do it, but there's there's thirty teams out there, um, and are, are we now consigned to um, <laughs> a, a lifetime of this, this never happening? The, the Tigers I look at and you always think there's there's good players in there. There's we we've had good spells of the season. Um, I, I I think you had something like if you took. And I know this is, um, yeah, yeah. Rangers would have won the league if they hadn't drawn those two games, sort of thing. But uh, I think if you look at the last four months of last season, the, the Tigers were the best team in the Central or something. So you, you've got to have a little bit of hope there. Um, I think I, I don't know whether it's like a city hope as well. The Lions did so well in the NFL that the Red Wings are hanging on, hopefully for a playoff place. So, can you get a city bounce that, that things go well and it gets the teams going, it gets the fans going? 
Um, do people see their fellow city teams doing well and realizing the importance of grinding out results, or do I just live in hope? Um, it's it's probably as simple as that, Richard. Well, no, it's, this is the time of the year when we can all have that hope, Alan, and we'll see how long it lasts for all of us once you get into uh, April and May as well. And obviously, you referred to both of you referred to those. the idea of cycles, the idea of baseball success being cyclical and building towards via good use of drafts, good farm systems. But for some teams, and I think uh, those from Boston would agree, there is little patience for that slow build-up and actually success is the only acceptable option for, for some of the, the more storied, name, the storied names among the baseball teams as well. So for the Red Sox of Boston, yeah, Yorkshire, Dave, what, what, what are your thoughts at the moment? Yeah, just pick up on what um, something Alan said there, the, the city bounce. It definitely happens in Boston. I think last year, you know, you had, uh, there's a noble app with seasons with uh, basketball and the hockey. And, you know, you will see when um, I think the, the Celtics and the Bruins are, are doing well, you will you will see um, Celtics caps at the Bruins games and, and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, and everyone in Boston and New England supports the, the Red Sox. So, um, yeah, and likewise, what Dave was saying about the top 100, I did see that um, today in the MLB um, email, I think. And I had a quick look down it and I thought, you know, there's not going to be, who's going to be in there from the Red Sox? So Rafi Devers is the first one, you know, some 30-something. Um, and you have to go... I'm pretty sure I didn't miss anybody. I think you have to go all the way down to 90-something to see Tristan Cassis, who had a rookie season last year. And then you have a closer look and you see all the players' names that you recognise who have worn um, a Red Sox uniform. And I thought I was going to go, you know, a whole pre-season without mentioning the Mookie Betts trade. But obviously Mookie Betts is up there. Xander Bogarts is in there. Schwabs, who was a personal favourite of mine, was there. J.D. Martinez. So you've got all these veteran, great players who are no longer playing for the Red Sox. So it starts you thinking, what are they up to? What are they doing? What are this ownership doing? And then you look at the the payroll, and um, I'm hoping I'm looking at the in the right places as a um, spot rack seems to have the most recent few years lists of payroll by team and it's not finished yet 2024 but um, Red Sox are 11th in the list last year there were 13th um, the previous two years 6th and 6th so you know the, the, it's a it's a down trend when you look you, you you know you go back to 2018 when they won the World Series they had the highest payroll 2019 the highest payroll but something has definitely changed and um, there's certainly, you know, you look at the roster and the sort of projected lineups, they, they're going for youth. They, they, they're bringing their players through the farm system, relying on um, picks. And they're certainly not going for big names. They've invested in Rafi Devers. You know, he doesn't like being called the face of, of the franchise. But he pretty much is. He's only 27. You know, and he could feel the team... Um, you know, I didn't really look closely at the pitching, but even the pitching, uh, you know, is, is mainly young guys coming through. But they could feel the team as pretty much just 
all under 30, apart from possibly Trevor Story, who'll be a shortstop at 31. So, you know, the ownership, you, you don't want to criticise the ownership, really, because they came in in 2002, and they really did spend, and they produced four World Series. Um, I would, you know, prefer Mr Henry. Could he, you know, as he finishes, he finishes. There's more money in... Premier football, isn't it? You know, I think it's investment in in Liverpool. I prefer him to see. Well, I've had enough of football. Sell Liverpool, put the money into the Red Sox, and for me, that would be a hundred percent win win situation. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to happen, and it, it is important. It's not a guarantee of success, is it? To spend, spend, spend. Uh, just ask uh, your average Mets fan that. But you look down, and I look down. So the last 30 years, just particularly at the Red Sox, and all through that, the last 20 years when they've won four World Series, you know, second highest, second highest, numerous times, third, fourth highest. And then you go back to the 90s and, you know, they weren't really quoted. And I did notice um, the Toronto Blue Jays in the early and mid-90s were top highest payers, and it's, it's no coincidence they won their two World Series in you know, 92 and 93. So, yeah, it, it does it does mean something. Um, um, but they're definitely not going... They're going down a completely different route, and we'll see how that um, is, uh, you know, responded, what the response is from, from the fans. You know, I get emails from them about uh, ticket sales, and um, even for opening day at Fenway where the, the ticket prices are always higher out there for opening day but there's availability everywhere and I you know I I think you could see a, an awkward season for the Red Sox they've got good coaches though and one hopes that uh, you know they bring out the best in these promising players that they've got so that's uh that's it from me. <laughs> Good luck, those socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thanks for that, uh, Yorkshire Dave. And it's, you mentioned the Blue Jays there, and they were they were such a powerhouse when I first started. Kind of, I'm actually going to say listening to baseball because I used to listen to it in the Armed Forces Radio and Television Network on on the old medium wave radio, and you had like Alomar, Dave Winfield, and guys like that. That was a real a real powerhouse team of, of the early nineties, but. You're absolutely right. Money doesn't guarantee success. It guarantees you've got a better shot at success, is, is how I would look at it. And uh, yeah, I actually think the Red Sox and the Mariners are really in quite a similar position, Yorkshire uh, Dave. And ironic then that you know that we're, we're facing that together. I think the Mariners. It's uh, I just don't have a clue. If I'm totally honest, what the season ahead. Looks like, but it kind of makes me think just how odd, reminds me how odd last season was, where we were fantastic against our division rivals. The only one we didn't have a winning record against. And even then, it wasn't a shameful record with the Rangers that went on to win, win it all. So, you know, we should have had a really, we should have had a good season, I think. And a big reason why we didn't ultimately, and why we just missed out in the playoffs for Seattle, was it was all about France. To me, Thai France, just that it's a team game as we often talk about and it's all about the depth of your your, your roster. But he was such a big such a big part of the Mariners Arsenal. And then when he had a misfired last season, 
you know, I think that was literally the difference between making the playoffs and not as well. So if we get the tie France back of 21 and even 22, you know, that gets us a long way forward. They've lost Eugenio Suarez, and I don't think there's an obvious answer at the moment for this. Matt Chapman's a free agent still, you know, a really, a really good third baseman. Maybe a bit, he might actually add to the Mariners problem of striking out too often because of his style, but certainly as a third baseman, I think he'd be a real, a real good acquisition. So if we get Ty France back and performing at first base, find a, find a solution at third, get the corners sorted out. I still have hope, but I think for the Mariners, it's absolutely essential that they start hot. And I actually think for Boston as well, it's really yeah. important that you start hot as well. Yeah. And obviously, since we are facing each other in the opening series, the Mariners and the Red Sox, we ain't both going to get what we want there. Uh, so I think that'll be a really interesting start. Mariners at home to the, the Red Sox and then at home to the Guardians. So not that their home record was a lot better than their away record, than their record on the road last season. It was slightly better. Uh, but for the Mariners, we definitely need to, definitely need to start hot as well, I think, because it's not something that we've done in, in the last few years. So, yeah, I do have some optimism about the Mariners, but it's so many unknowns uh, at the moment. So, and as just talking about how the Red Sox and the Mariners face off, the Tigers and the White Sox are also facing each other the opening day. So it was uh, nice of MLB to be so considerate as to ensure all four Highland Bullpens franchises faced each other uh, on, the, on the opening day. It should make for a fiery, a fiery start to the season for our teams as well. So would we would we settle for a split series, Dave, if, if the Red Sox and the Mariners is a four-game series? Would you, would you you be happy for a 2-2 on the road to start? Yeah, I think I'd take that. You know, so get a decent start, isn't it? I think um, Red Sox have got a ten-game start off with a ten-game uh, road trip, so they don't play their first game at Fenway until the 9th of April. Having said that, I- I'd need to check, but I don't think they have the best of home records actually. So um, yeah, I-, I I couldn't really tell you who's going to be the starting pitchers for for those um opening games um there's a bit to go yet in in terms of um um you know the spring training and getting that rotation out i think that's important what you said about getting the infield right as well i think that's what the red sox were trying to do we mentioned last week you need specialist players at these infield positions i think even in the outfield although i think that i think you can have a little bit more of a mixture there. But yeah, you need a proper first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, the shorts up, you know, so you get that double play off. And uh, the de- defense is, is absolutely vital in, in this game, you know. And the Red Sox were very poor last year. And I think that's what they try to do. They've got this guy, Vaughan Grissom, I mentioned um, last, last week. So yeah, and Trevor Story's going to be back at shortstop after his injury last season. So, yeah, I'm hopeful from that point of view there'll be an improvement. And you've got J-Rod. Yep. yep. You know, he's the man, isn't he? You know, you've got a real star there. Have we got a star in Rafi Devers? Yeah, but this guy, J-Rod, looks um, sensational. You know, he could be the one to, real, to really spark it for you. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. You know, Rafa Devers a, a top player, but I agree there's a there's a level above that you sometimes see, and you know, you have Hugh, you have Otani's and others, but people that can just transform potentially the fortunes of a, a whole ball club. And I think he's definitely in, in in that in that 
realm among that number. Uh, are the other Mariners bit pitching? We've kept we've still got the, the top five to the rotation uh, in place that we had last year. And I think generally it would stand comparison really right across MLB in terms of strength of that, that top five, that starting rotation. I think once you go beyond that, you know, once you get beyond kind of Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Miller and Wu, you know, we need to get lucky with injuries, to be honest with you, in a way that we weren't, I think, last year at times. Uh, and from a Mariners point of view, above all, we need to stop striking out. I think there was only one or two teams in the whole of baseball last year that struck out uh, more than the Mariners did. So we need to get that on ball and, and start manufacturing some runs as well as try to get some, yeah. some, some big hits. And, that was becoming uh, much more um, the thing, wasn't it, as they did away with the shift. Yep. Then, you know, because the game had gone, you know, they don't mind about strikeouts as long as you're getting, you know, fair share of home runs. It was, you know, I don't want to say that word, <laughs> asterisk, 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 or bust. But um, now I think we're getting back to old-time baseball, like, um, like you say, manufacturing runs, bat on ball, hit and run, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's, uh, I think they did the right thing with that. So game with the ship, by the way. Yeah, no, I think so as well. And and for Mariners fans, not just for Mariners fans, but we will have a, a voice of Seattle on the show in the next week or two as well. Uh, our man in the ground in, in Seattle. So we'll hear a bit more about what the sense is in the city and, and among fans there as to what the, the season holds in store. We do a little bit of a, a roundup of just anything else that's caught our eye uh, in the world of baseball over the last seven days. I noticed that the the Furore over the A's in Las Vegas and will we ever end up there and when still seems to be rumbling on as well. But I wonder if any of you guys, I don't know if if Dave Jr., if there's been much else around the wider world of baseball or Alan, if anything else has caught your eye. There hasn't at the moment, Richard. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night is it's kind of a, a little mini opening night. Um, yep. And it's it's just a small point, but the next three Friday nights, the White Sox face off against the Cubs. All three Friday nights, and I'm just looking forward to. It. They're all about half past eight UK time. They might be preseason or spring training, whatever you want to call it. But it's still some men throwing some balls, some men holding sticks, and I'm very excited by that. And it doesn't get much better than that, absolutely. And Alan is a man who's been, I don't know if Alan or Yorkshire Day would have been at most spring training games or between you who's been at most. I know, Alan, you've definitely been at spring training contests before. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Lakeland to see the, the Tigers. So um, maybe throw a wee advert in there for anyone going to Orlando in March that uh, Lakeland is the nearest spring training ballpark Uh um, for any visitors to Florida, so you can go and see the Detroit Tigers and start a lifetime love affair of that if you ever decide yeah. to, to go along and enjoy a beer and the baseball and some sunshine. Um, so it's a grapefruit league. Um, I don't know how competitive it is. I know the games are reasonably competitive. I don't know if they put a lot of onus on winning the grapefruit league or the cactus league for the one over in, in Arizona. A- Arizona's a bit different. I think it's all centred in Phoenix, um, metropolitan Phoenix area, whereas in Florida it's it, it's spread around the state, mostly on the the Gulf Coast, the West Coast, with a few teams on the, the Atlantic Coast. I think that sounds fantastic, the Cubs and the White Sox on a Friday night. And um, I'm assuming somebody's 
arrange that sensibly. Um, uh, it make, makes for good viewing. It, it, we, we live in a world of Scottish football where we, if that happened, we'd probably think that's just happened randomly and uh, no, nobody even realised it <laughs> until it fell into place. So so well done to the to the schedulers there. Um, spring training... Spring training is your classic baseball. Um, sit and watch a game in the sunshine, uh, and I know some teams might do that pretty much all year round. But for for us northern teams, you're sitting watching a baseball game with a beer in the sunshine. Uh, you can't get an awful lot better than that. So um, yeah, I'd thoroughly recommend it. And our hopes are still high. I, I did notice you started us off by saying hopes in our heart, um, Richard. And uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure if I was supposed to carry on with a song that you possibly had in mind there, but I decided not to. You probably wouldn't have known the words, Alan, so that's absolutely <laughs> fine. And, uh, and you mentioned beer, baseball and sunshine. Well, over here in Scotland, it's easy to get one of those three, but unfortunately it's a bit harder uh, getting the other two. But we will be covering in future episodes a guide to, to watching and viewing and listening to Major League Baseball for those of us in the UK, so please stay tuned for that. It'll be a helpful guide to how you can make sure you catch, catch as much of the 2024 MLB season as you possibly can. So we'll look forward to that. And with that, we'll bring to a close this week's episode of the Highland Bullpen. We'll see you next week on the countdown to MLB season 2024. <laughs>